Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Hallelujah. All right, praise the Lord. Father, we just want to thank you. We come before you once again to examine the word. We're asking for insight. We're asking for understanding and for wisdom. Father, to be impacted even as this word is unfolded. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. All right, friends, we want to continue with our study on the word of Armageddon. And this is going to be part two on this series that we're dealing with in relation to the question of the end day predictions like we have been commonly told and uh, we, we've been told that this is going to be a war that will take place around the Middle East and we started giving these considerations from the scriptures so like I said earlier on the only place where this world is actually used is in the book of Revelation chapter 16 and uh, from 12 to 16. So we'll just take a look at that which is our main text. Revelation 16 reading from number 12. And the Bible says, And the sixth angel poured out his vow upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, that the weight of the kings of the east might be prepared. The Bible says, And I saw three Unclean spirit like frogs came out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. 15 said, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth. And keep at his garment, lest he walk naked, and they see his shame. And verse 16 says, And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. Amen? So, we, we definitely, we've seen this, that Armageddon is the same thing as the word of the great day, or the great day of the Lord. That's what we've seen before. Hallelujah. So, just like we've seen, the prophecies of the scriptures clearly show that the day of the Lord is the same thing as the battle of Armageddon. That time and period associated with the dealings of God in which God's kingdom under Christ and through the sons of God is to be gradually established in the earth. It is a time when the kingdoms of this earth, of this world, are passing away and Satan and his powers and influences over the heart of man are being bound uh, you know when you read the book of Ephesians um, let me just quickly look at this for you Ephesians chapter 2 and that's what the scripture says in the book of Ephesians chapter number 2 um, reading from this one it says and ye had he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past you walk according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now walketh in the children 
of disobedience. Can you see that? So we are talking about a period when all of these operations gradually comes to an end. That's what we're dealing with. The, 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 the forces of, of, of darkness being subdued by the power of God, ultimately. Now, the battle of the great day of God, or the battle of Armageddon, therefore, is a picture of that time of struggle and fierce conflict. Amen? Fierce conflict which God's elect and the whole world must pass through. It is that moment by which this present evil world system is utterly brought to an end and a new day is inaugurated in righteousness and glory. Now don't miss this fact. A Magadon is a Hebrew word that signifies the Mount of Megiddo or the Mount of Destruction. As mentioned in part one of this series, the physical town of Megiddo in Bible days occupied a very marked position on the southern edge of the plain of Ezra alone, and it commanded an important pass into the hill country. It was such a position that leads to the hill country. And this area was the great battleground of Palestine, where so many famous battles of Old Testament history were fought. Gideon and his little band of armies fought here and defeated the Midianites as they destroyed one another in the flight. You find that in the book of Judges chapter 7, 19 to 23. If you can take time to read that. Judges chapter 7 um, from verse number 19 to 23. So just quickly, 19 to 23. The Bible says, And so Gideon and the hundred men that were with him came into the other side of the camp in the, in the beginning of the middle watch. And they had but newly set the watch and they slew the trumpet and they blew the trumpet and break the pitchers that were in their, in their, in their hands. And three companies blew the trumpets and break the pitchers and held the lamps in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands to blow wither. And they cried the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And the Bible says, And they stood every man in his place and about the camp, and all the hosts ran and cried and fled. Verse 22, the Bible says, And the three hundred slew, blew the trumpet, and the Lord set ambush. I mean, enemies, man, sword against his fellow, even throughout all the hosts. And the host fled to Bethsheta, Benzetrat, and to the border of Abel Methola unto Tabat. 23 says, And the men of Israel gathered themselves together out of the Natali, out of Natali, and out of Asher, and out of all Manasseh, and pursued after the Midianites. So this is the place where this war took place, which is actually called the war of Magidu. This is when Gideon, like we're saying, defeated the Midianites with his 300 men. Alright. So let's move on now. Again, we find that if it's a time to read the book of Judges, chapter 4 and, and chapter 4 and 5, you'll be able to see again that the Lord are fought here, and God sent deliverance to Israel. Then, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 31, 22 to 25, this is where also King Saul was defeated by the Philistines. Amen? 
That's the very place where King Saul was defeated by the Philistines. Now, you move down again to the book of Second Chronicles 35, looking at it from 22 to 25. The Bible says, Yeah, King Josiah was slain by the... F- I mean, uh, that is Second Chronicles 35. Yes, yeah, Second Chronicles 35, 20, 22 to 25. This is where Josiah was killed by Pharaoh Necho. King Josiah was slain by Pharaoh Necho in one of this most disastrous conflict in this history of Israel in this particular spot. This is where King Ahab and Jezebel also died. Second Kings chapter 9, 30 to 35, I'm 37. This is where also they, they were killed. I mean, um, Ahab and Jezebel. Amen? Alright. Now, it is said that because of this strategic position, Many other nations, according to secular history, walled around Megiddo, like the Jews, the Gentiles, Saracens, Crusaders, Egyptians, Persians, Druses, Turks, and the Arabs. They have all pitched their tent on the plain of Escadrillon, one time or the other in human history. Hallelujah. Now, dealing with symbols. As we know that what we're dealing with is a symbolic something or a symbolic picture. It should be noted that the Bible uses symbolism that are very familiar. Symbolism that are very familiar in nature to those that the world is familiar with. Take for instance, the Bible makes use of beasts to represent kingdoms or governments. And so does the world. Now have you noticed that always nations uses one animal or the other in their flags or national emblems? For instance, the Nigerian coat of arms uses two white horses supporting a black shield. The coat of arms of Ghana carries two eagles. South Africa has elephant talks in their coat of arms, which speaks of wisdom and strength. They also represent for that nation moderation and eternity. They have the ears of wheat that represent fertility, germination and growth, which speaks of the development of that nation to achieve an unlimited potential. This is how man continues to relate. And so the Bible uses such symbolism as well. So we found that the Bible uses certain battlefields of the world to convey some basic biblical truth for us to see. Again, in the language of man, when you say that an army meets his Waterloo, it simply means that he has been victorious for a while, then all of a sudden it met his defeat. And this same, I mean, this, this came about because of Napoleon who was defeated at the Battle of Waterloo. And this is what made men to attach such great significance to that particular battleground. The Battle of Waterloo, because that's where uh, Napoleon Bonaparte was also defeated. Hallelujah. Even so, it is with Armageddon. So that when you read of Armageddon, the book of Revelation, you must begin to see the meaning as used symbolically, taking its root from the battleground where Israel of old fought her wars. Are you getting this? Therefore, 
To understand the full meaning of Armageddon, you have to be acquainted with the features of the wars that Israel fought on this ground, knowing very well also that they did not have the victory in all these battles all the time. Now, one major characteristic of the wars of Israel was that God was always involved. Where he either caused them to be victorious or allowed them to be defeated, especially when they have sinned against him. In either way, he was involved, and yet keeping with his own great plan of the ages. The battle of the great day of God. So now, once you understand this fact, just like the battle of Armageddon or Waterloo, then the battle of Armageddon, which is the battle of the great day of the Lord, begins to take on a great significance. Now can you see this? Look at this. Now you begin to see it's true as a revelation of a struggle in which God is specifically interested and in which He will totally and completely direct the issues involved. This is His battle in which He definitely guarantees the final and glorious victory for the forces of His kingdom. This is God's own battle in which he has vested interest and commitment. Are you getting that? Remember, we're dealing with the battle of the great day of the Lord. And that same battle is the battle of Armageddon. Praise the living God. Are you getting it? Alright. It is that battle for ages, for the permanent defeat of error, unrighteousness, carnality, darkness, antichrist, and all the agencies of Satan, thereby opening up the full manifestation of God through His sons to bless all the families of the earth. This is why it is described as a battle of the great day of God Almighty. It is God's own battle, and not of natural nations or that which is against natural Israel. That's a wrong focus. Hence, all those with natural predictions are always failing because it's a spiritual battle symbolized by that battleground of Israel or older Magadon, the Mount of Megiddo. Are you there? Okay. Now, when you look at the Revelation 16 verse number 12, there is something very important here. It says, And the sixth angel poured out his vase upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kingdom of the east might be prepared. Let me just take a look at this. This particular figure. Having understood that the great day of the Lord, the battle of the great day of the Lord, is the same thing as the battle of Armageddon. Is that okay? Alright. Now, river Euphrates. Bible said it was dried up. I want to take a look here. At the crossing of the river Euphrates by the kings of the east. And close the discussion. Observing that what you really needed to know. About the Magadon. Have been fully dealt with. Or maybe I'll take two more sections for you. But in verse 12 of Revelation 16. We are told. And the sixth angel poured out his vial. Upon the great river Euphrates. And the water thereof was dried up. That the water of the kings of the east. Might be prepared. 
Now, just for a reminder, to the fact that when we look at the battle of Armageddon, I'll describe in, in Revelation 12, 16 to, May 12 to 16, we are not and should not be expecting any gathering of the nations, literally, to the hill of Megiddo. Rather, we're talking of that which is symbolized by the Mount of Megiddo. Amen? Okay. Now, and to keep in mind again that even as we speak, this great battle is even now taking shape in the political, economic, and ecclesiastical realms, praise the Lord, of the world right now. But we must not lose sight of the father. The term Armageddon is used primarily in a spiritual sense. As this great battle rages in a dual realm above the earthlies and the heavenlies to dimensions of the operation. It's important you get that. Praise the Lord. Now here we find that dealing with the heavenly realms, it is first and foremost a battle involving a great dragon and the man child of Revelation 12, 3 to 10. You take time to read that. Revelation 12, 3 to 10. But once we realize that, as it is the heavens, so also is on the earth. Then we must realize that there is a replication of that which happens in the heavenlies on the earth. This is why when the sons of God have cast out the dragon out of the heavenlies, the cries go out. Woe to the habitats of the earth and of the sea. For the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knew it, yet but a short time. Revelation 12, verse number 12. Did you get that? Once the devil was cast out of the heavenlies, the cry goes out, Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. Now, get something right. He didn't say the inhabitants of the earth. Not inhabitants, but inhabitants. I just want you to pick something there. Inhabitants of the earth and the sea is speaking of those who are carnally minded, those who are earthly minded, not just human beings in terms of inhabitants. No, he's talking of inhabitants of the earth. The sea speaks of the multitude of mankind that has swayed without the spirit of God. The earth is the Adamic life. As we burn the image of the earth, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. So woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil is come down unto you, having a great rod. Because he knew it, he had but a short time. Revelation 12 is number 12. Are you getting this? It is therefore easy to see how this battle plays out in both realms. And how this warfare reflects both on individuals and corporate level. And so, in reference to this anti-typical Babylon, we see, we read again from the scriptures. Revelation 16 verse 12. And so, and the sixth angel poured out his veil upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof were dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. Now get this right. The later Euphrates river, where that which were dried up or turned out of their course to allow the armies of the Medes 
to enter into the little Babylon of old that led to her overthrow in history. Are you listening? River Euphrates, the literal river Euphrates, was that river that was dried up, or the course of the river flow turned to allow the armies of the Medes to enter into the literal Babylon of old that led to her overthrow in history. But don't forget that just as there was a literal Babylon, there is also a mystical Babylon, the great, with her mystical waters. And so, when you go to Revelation 17, verse number 1, the thing you see there is, and yet come one of the seven angels, which are the seven vows, and talk with me, saying unto me, Come hither, and I will show unto thee the judgment of the great hall that seated upon many waters. Verse 5, Revelation 17. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abomination of the earth. Verse 15 of Revelation 17. And he said unto me, The waters quit thou sawest, where the horse seated are peoples, and multitudes, and nations, and tongues. Then go down to verse 18 of Revelation 17. And the woman with that sword is that great city which reigned over the kings of the earth. Praise the Lord. So here we are talking of the religious stroke political system controlling humanity to which all have made their alliance or allegiance. This is the mystery Babylon. It's a religious system that seems to have affiliation, if you will, with political system, but which she succeeds in controlling mankind. And all of the government of the nations have teamed up with her to be able to give her powers with which she controls. Evidently then, when the moment comes for her overthrow, this great city, the mystical Babylon with her mystical waters or what spiritual life and anointing she has so dependent on seemingly staying back the hands of God from judging her up to this hour that we are in shall be dried up to make way so that they might be prepared the way of the kings whose I mean those who are of the rising sun Rising of a sun. Now if you look at it from this literal Greek translation, the King James says, it prepares the way of the kingdom of the east. But literal translation says, so that might be prepared the way of the kings, those who are of the rising of a sun. That's the way you should read in the original Greek. Now, so, not just the king of the east as seen in the King James Version Quit makes preachers to think it has to do with Natural wars from the east as Moscow, Russia or other nations Therefore, who are the kings of the rising sun? Of course, it is the church You got to get this right The way that has been prepared is for the church 
to take over. Now, you can see this from the book of Isaiah, chapter 60. If you look from verse 1 to 3, and then 11 and 12, this is what you see. Arise, shine, for the light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness, which is of the day of the Lord now, shall cover the earth, and grow darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And Gentiles shall come to the light, and the kings to the brightness of the horizon. Therefore their gates shall be open continually. Hallelujah. They shall not be shut day nor night, that men may bring unto thee the forces of the Gentiles, and that their kings may be brought. For the nation and the kingdom that will not serve thee shall perish. Yea, those nations shall be utterly wasted. Glory to God. Are you seeing this? Amen. So, we're talking about the drying up of the life source of mystery Babylon. River speaks of life. It speaks of the anointing. It speaks of the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus said that in the book of John chapter 7. Verse 37, remember what he said? To those who believe on him, out of their belly shall flow rivers of living water. So river speaks of the life of God. So when we talk about river Euphrates that is drying up, which is supposed to be the river bordering on Babylon, it simply means we're talking about the life source of Mr. Babylon being dried up. That is her rivers. Praise the Lord. Okay, so let's move on a little bit. Again, just to remind you, we talked about Revelation 16 and then 12 to 16. But if we look at 12, 14, 16, this one you can look at. And the 16, the Paul out his verse upon the great river Euphrates and the water thereof was dried up that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. Verse 14 says, for these are the spirit of devils walking miracles which go forth into the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Verse 16 says, And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. Amen. Now, we want to again consider how the river Euphrates of Babylon was dried up, which resulted in the defeat of Babylon the Great. That's what we want to look at now. Don't forget this. We are dealing with spiritual realities. And to know that a great victory over Babylon shall be accomplished at the great symbolic battle of Armageddon. Is that okay? Writing on the Great War, John said in Revelation 17 verse number 14, And these shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them, for he is Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. Take note of that. So here we find three categories of Christians that are with the Lamb. Who are they? They call, like Abraham was called, walk in obedience, leave this father's house to the place where I will show you, where people like 
Paul the chosen he chose him as a vessel to bring forward certain ministry in his life and we have those who are faithful so we have three categories of, of people here amen those who are committed to staying in the sphere that God has called them into these are the faithful ones remember the parable of the sower I mean of the of the talent how the commendation was thou faithful servant those who are just faithful to what God has them to do nothing else so we have the, the called the chosen and the faithful and it's important that you understand this dimension of the operation of the work of God now I want you to assure I mean I want to assure you that God is even now in the process of drying up the waters of the Euphrates the river of modern Babylon this is why he is calling out his people from Babylon when you look at Revelation 18 verse 4 he said come out of her my people that means he has his people in Babylon is that okay now these are people who have been held captive for so long within her borders through her greed static and idolatrous doctrines cold dead forms and ceremonies rituals laws and bylaws programs and unspiritual and unscriptural methods and institutions that's what babylon stands for that is what he uses to hold people together what are those things the greeks static and idolatrous doctrines doctrines that are not true doctrines that are not of god they just fabricated to hold people captive to bring fear to people cold dead forms and ceremonies no life in the things they do amen rituals laws and bylaws a lot of programs without the spirit unspiritual and non unscriptural methods and institutions this is the frame structure of Babylon so here the Bible is telling us when it says come out of my people this is God pulling out his people to himself by the working of the Holy Spirit as it quickens their mind and understanding to see light and truth here they begin to identify with God as their true source of life instead of depending on religious fantasies and manipulations here we are talking about those who watch it now will be in spirit and in truth that is unto a pure and undefiled walk in the spirit under the absolute headship of Jesus Christ and so in Revelation 18 verse 20 22 to 23 we are told rejoice over her Revelation 18 22 23 I mean 20 22 23 rejoice over her who is over her Babylon thou heavens that is those who sit there with, together with Christ in heavenly places can you get that remember Revelation 12 when the devil was cast out the heavens rejoice they are the sons of God Woe unto you, inhabitants of the earth. Can you see that? Okay, so here the Bible is saying, 
rejoice over her, over Babylon now. Thou heaven, those who are seated together with Christ in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And ye holy apostles and prophets, for God have avenged you on her. Bible says, and the voice of harpers and musicians and pipers. Who are these? Those involving spiritual praise and worship, the true spiritual praise and worship. And trumpeters, ministry sounding forth a message from God. Shall be had no more at all in thee. Follow this. And the sound of the milestone, that's the grinding of bread, I mean of me for bread, which is the living word of God, shall be held no more at all in thee. And the light of a candle, that's even the little light that was in Babylon, shall shine no more at all in thee. And the voice of the bridegroom, which is Jesus, and of the bride, the elect, the son, the chosen one, shall be held no more at all in thee. For by the sorceries were all nations deceived. Praise the living God. Can you get that? Revelation 18, 20-23. Praise the Lord. So, all of these things, which, is, which are supposed to be the things you find within the body of Christ, what are they all? talking about? Musicians and pipers, we have spiritual praise and worship, and then we're talking about trumpeters, ministers, and the fault, a message from God. The Bible says, All this shall no longer be heard in thee. That is to say, God is withdrawing ministry or true ministries and true worship and true light and the very bride himself, and that's the, 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 the elect of God, and then Jesus himself with the bridegroom is taken out or taken away from. The midst of Babylon. So when this is taken away, what is left? It's nothing but just rituals. So, as the Father withdraws all of these ministries and life from the midst of Babylon, the water of our river, which is our source of strength, glory and power, is dried up. All of the blessings of God, all of the anointing of God, all of the life that was ever in her is dried up and is no more. Praise the living God. This is the meaning of the fall of Babylon. And this is what it means when the Bible says, when the angel poured for this, the sixth angel poured for the belt on the river Euphrates, it got dried up so that the kings of the east were coming. Meaning, as a city, her walls are down, no more protection. Now men will see her games and manipulation in the name of power. Mr. Babylon has finally met her doom. Hallelujah. And this is coming to her like a thief. Like we read in the book of Revelation 16 verse 15. But in Revelation 18, 8 and 21 we are told. And a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone. And cast it into the sea saying. Thus with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down. And shall be found no more at all. Revelation 18, 8 and 21. What a forceful destruction this portrays to us. Listen to that again. And a mighty angel took a stone like a great milestone. And cast it into the sea. Saying, thus with violence 
shall that great city Babylon be thrown down and shall be found no more at all. Hallelujah. Interestingly enough, we are told of this gradual consuming process as revealed by Daniel. So when you look at Daniel chapter 7 verse 26, it's about the judgment of the saint shall sit and they shall take away his dominion to consume and to destroy it unto the end. This is the rising of the sons of light as seen in Isaiah 60 verse number 1. Which says, Arise, shine, for the light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. Praise the living God. So what are we saying here? Let it be understood that one of the outcomes of the battle of the great day of the Lord, which is a Magadan, is a total and utter destruction of mystery Babylon in religious circles. Amen? This is what we are saying. So, summarily, what am I trying to make you understand? The drying up of river Euphrates has to do with the life source of mystery Babylon. Just like Euphrates was a literal river, it symbolizes the life, strength, power, and glory of mystery Babylon. The great, the mother of harlots that deceived the nations with her sorceries, all of that which she has, with which she could deceive people, claiming to be one great city, government, church, power, that controls people, shall be taken away from her in one moment at the great battle of the Lord called a Magadon. This is what we are saying. So it has nothing one bit to do with some literal kingdoms, some literal powers, some literal government also that are going to set up a battlefield in a place in the Middle East. All of those things are messages and doctrines that have no spiritual connotation. One bit. They are all just fantasizing over these things without spiritual understanding. And God is calling forth his people at this moment with a clear voice. So that you begin to know and to understand. So all the predictions that has to do with it forthcoming a Magadon war in the Middle East is nothing but religious fantasies. Their predictions based on human manipulation and calculations and predictions. That have nothing to do with spiritual reality of the Bible. Especially the book of Revelation. The forgotten realize that this is a book that is done in symbol. And like I said in a previous broadcast. This is a spirit. A spiritual book. And it has to do with you coming into the day of the Lord. Of the Lord's day rather. As, as uh, John would say. In John 1 and verse number, I mean Revelation 1 verse number 10. I was in the spirit on the last day. I made it to understand the last day had to do with when he was enthroned. Just like we used to have Emperor's Day. So it's a day, it's a season of power that belongs to that individual. In the Roman Empire they used to celebrate the Emperor's Day. 
And so when Christians came up, they said, no, they can't celebrate that day. They have to celebrate what? The Lord's Day. So they were celebrating as it were, honoring, commemorating when Christ was enthroned. And his reign from that moment. So you begin to understand as well that the reign of Christ began right from when he ascended the throne of his father David according to the book of Acts chapter number 2 from verse 30 down. Praise the living God. Christ is seated on the throne at the right hand of God and is reigning. So now he was on the Lord's day at the particular time when God began to reveal his reign and the things that he intends to do upon the face of the earth. That's what it means to be the Lord's day. Hallelujah. Are you following this? So, the great day of the Lord is the day of Armageddon. And it is the Lord's, not humans, not some nations, not some kings. All of those things, I repeat, are just the doctrines of mystery Babylon. Men who think they can, pro- pro- I mean, project some dates and predict some dates and make them prophet or whatever the case may be, but they truly and not in sync with that what God is doing right now on the face of the earth through his ministers of light. So don't forget this. Mr. Babylon is coming down. How is it coming down? Again, I'll read out to you and I close. Revelation again, 18, verse 8 and verse 21. And the mighty angel took up a stone like a great milestone. Millstone. And cast it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence shall that great city, Babylon, be thrown down, and shall be found no more at all. Amen? This is a complete destruction of mystery Babylon. And like I told you, the drying up of river Euphrates is simply explained in Revelation 18, 20 to 23. Again, I want to read that. Rejoice over her, over Babylon. Thou heavenly, those of you who have seen light, who have been pulled out by God, who have been pulled to himself, who now can walk in the light of that which you are receiving. And ye holy apostles and prophets, for God have avenged you on her. Mm-hmm. And the voice of harpers and musicians and of pipers, dead men who are supposed to be full of spiritual praise and worship before the Lord, and trumpeters, ministers of God, sounding forth, the message of God, who are seen trapped in the midst of Babylon, that God is pulling out. The Bible says, shall be had no more at her. God is pulling out all of the things that are treasurable, all of the things that are spiritual, I mean, genuine with, with God. He's pulling them out of mystery Babylon. And then talk about the sound of the millstone, the grinding of meal for bread, which is the living word of God. True word will no longer be found in the midst of Babylon. It's drying up completely. That's why you see a lot of ministers. All they do is to play some games on the on the throne. I mean, the, the Pope is just dancing and shouting and talking. They don't have anything to give to the people. The millstone is being taken from the midst of those people. The Bible says, "All of this shall no longer be found in thee. No true light shall be found in the midst of Babylon." That's how gradually God is pulling the water out, that the rising of the kings. Of the east might come through. The Bible says, and the light of a candle, the little light and revelation that they have in the midst of Babylon, God is going to be taken away from them. He's going to take it away from them. And then they walk really completely in darkness. 
Bible says, shall shine no more at her in thee. And the voice of the bridegroom with Jesus Christ. Even the voice of the bridegroom, which is Christ himself, shall no longer be heard in her. And the bride, which is the elect and the chosen one, they shall no longer be heard in the mystery of Babylon. For by sorceries were all nations deceived. With me, the true light of God is being taken away. The voice of Christ is no longer to be heard in the midst of that which is called church, Mr. Babylon. This is how the river Euphrates is drying up. As all of this thing begins to come out, which is the source of the life of this Mr. Babylon, then we see the fulfillment of the river Euphrates being dried up. Praise the living God. So what are we saying? This is the time for us to begin to focus on that which God is saying. For a time actually is coming and now is as well. When all of this thing is beginning to take place. More people are now coming to the truth of God's word. Men are beginning to see a lot of deception that are being in that which is called church. People are questioning now even the doctrine they have ever believed before. That tells you that the river Euphrates is drying up. Praise the living God. Love you and I'll see you on the other side. Amen. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.